the title of today's message is What's in Your Bag? Okay. An unusual title. <laughs> uh, and we'll come to some of the details of that in just a little uh, in just a little minute. But the question is what's in your bag? And if I put up this photograph, um, uh, a few years ago I was asked to do a class in Longridge Primary School for primary five, six, sevens on photography. And you might think that we would talk about the technical aspects of photography, but what we talked about was uh, how to compose a photograph, we talked about how to tell your story, and we talked about how to capture light. Those were the three main areas. And the telling your story, uh, part of that was to take a bag which you had uh, and to empty out the contents of your bag, to arrange them, and to take a picture of it and to bring it in. That was their homework. And for me, I took a picture of the contents of my fishing bag. So that is it on the screen. The contents of my fishing bag have changed um, because I've upgraded my equipment thanks to my 50th birthday last year, which is quite cool. Uh, and so this was, a, it was just a fun exercise uh, to think about what we put in our bag. And uh, it was interesting to see some of the kids' pictures, you know, those who loved horses, for example. Millie uh, Denham loves horses, and she had all these horsey things, you know, spruits, you know, strewed out along the, the floor and taking a picture of it. That's the one that I really remember. But when we think about putting stuff in your bag, I'm going to show you a little video um, just for your fun today. Uh, so watch this little video. Thank <laughs> you. 
a dumpling, eh? Um, how, how not to pack your bag. Um, but it made me think about uh, just a few weeks back when we were all planning to go out to Bulgaria. And as we were meeting together as a team and we were prepping, um, the news came through that the baggage limit was 20 kilograms. So on the Wizz Air flight, we were limited to 20 kilograms. And the ladies were panicking. It was like, how are we ever going to manage with a 20 kilogram limit? Of course, uh, Josh and I began to pack uh, late as usual. We never planned packing. And I packed all of my stuff for the week in this case, okay? So the ladies had considerably bigger cases, but then, I'm not finished. I gave Josh this case to pack some hand luggage things into for taking on the plane. And I was like, well, I can maybe put some of my clothes in your case, just in case the cases go missing. And then that way, if I arrive, there's some of my stuff in your case. We've taken on this hand luggage, and Bob's your uncle. Except when I came back, Josh had packed everything for the week into this case. And I just thought, it's incredible. How did you do that, Josh? Because he watches Ramirez and he's able to pack really well. Um, whereas the ladies, the ladies on the other hand, they just managed to stick within their limit and no more. Because some of them had multiple changes of clothing depending on the situation, the weather, how they felt that day, different colours. And they had multiple clothing options. I had one clothing option for each day. Uh, whereas they had multiple and, you know, one of the things that I discovered with packing is that it doesn't matter how big your bag is, you will always pack it full to capacity. Always, always, always. That's the theory that you will always fill your bag. So if you want to travel light, the idea is to start with a small one, pack everything into it that you think you need, and then unpack it and put it into the big one so you get space for bringing stuff back. Did you know that? There's a packing tip for your holidays. And then, of course, there's a great mystery around bags, and that's the lady's handbag. <laughs> Have you ever seen that film, Mary Poppins, where she brings out the carpet bag, and out of the carpet bag come uh, lamp stands and you know, hat stands and uh, plants. All these things come out of the bag. And then there's little Michael, who has this gormless expression on his face when he watches all this happen. I just find it really, really funny. In fact, there's a kid in one of the schools who just reminds me of Michael. <laughs> it's really quite funny. And, and you know, we, we do all this without thinking about it. We do all our packing and organizing, and sometimes we hang on to stuff. And if you're like me, you take too much on holiday. Uh, you know, there's, I'm dreading going to Shetland in a couple of weeks' time, a few weeks' time, because I'm thinking, I need to pack everything for a two-week holiday into a case like that. I've got my fishing stuff, my camera stuff, my, my, my technology. You know, I'll, I'll not have any room to take clothes. Uh, anyway, that's, that's the way we'll have to do it. But the reality is that when it comes to our lives, our lives can be like these suitcases as well. We fill our lives with things all the time. And our hearts can get filled up with things. And not always good things. And sometimes our hearts can be filled with what we call baggage, emotional baggage. Your hearts get filled up with things. Uh, and regardless of age, I would say, their hearts can become filled. And the problem is with age, and I don't mean to sound ageist in any way, I reflect on myself as well. 
The longer we've been carrying things in our hearts, the less we realize it. And I say that again, the longer we've been carrying things in our hearts, the less we realize it. We don't see things in ourselves that other people see. Guarantee you, if you've got things in your life that are unhelpful and you're not aware of it, I can guarantee that somebody else will be aware of it and they will see it. That's sometimes the problem when we carry things uh, for too long. What kind of things do we carry in our hearts? We carry things like guilt and shame, anxiety, worry, words that have been spoken over our lives. Sometimes words that have been spoken about us, we can carry hurt, we can carry trust issues, we can carry unforgiveness. We can carry trying to please our parents. We can carry the need for approval. We can carry the need for acceptance, the need to feel wanted and important, the need to feel loved. And some of these things are things that we do genuinely need. We need to feel loved. We want to be accepted for who we are, don't we? And yet, sometimes these things can get into our lives and they can be like baggage in our lives. And I was going to show a video which I've shown before. Um, It is about this very issue. And, uh, you know, I want to maybe consider one particular area of baggage that we carry. There's one that I really felt that the Holy Spirit wanted us to focus on this morning. And we'll look at that after we watch this video. So uh, let's watch this video on, on baggage. You've heard the saying, he's carrying a lot of baggage from his past, or avoid her. Baggage. But think about it. I mean, baggage, it's, we get it from other people, the things that they do to us or say to us. And if we carry those memories around, in essence, we carry baggage. We begin collecting baggage when we're just little kids. There you are. Hey, 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 hey I need to talk to you. Yeah, what? Well, um, we were talking about building the, the treehouse. Yeah, yeah. I, I love treehouses. Yeah, it's just a thing. Um, see, you can't help us build the treehouse. Why? Well, you don't really want me to tell you. Yeah, I do. Okay, well, we were talking, uh-huh. um, um, the gang, we were talking, and, yeah. um, well, you're too fat. What? You'll weigh down the treehouse. I'm not fat. Yes. No, no, yes. I'm not. No, no, uh, mommy just says I'm big boned. Dinosaurs are big boned, you're fat. No, 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 mommy says I'm chunky. <laughs> Peanut butter's chunky, you're fat. No, 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 mommy says that I've lost weight. I think you found it. No, 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 mommy says I'm just different. <laughs> Your mommy says you're just different? Yeah, I'm just different. <laughs> go back to where you came from. I gotta go, bye. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's one of the biggest lies we teach children. Words hurt, they cut deep. And if we carry around the words of other people, essentially what we do is, we're collecting baggage. See, we can't, we can't find our self-worth based on what other people think of us. We have to find our self-worth based on Christ and our relationship with Him. But it doesn't seem to be that easy. And as life goes on and we get older, we just tend to collect more baggage. Sometimes we pick up baggage from people who are very close to us, like a best friend. No, I, I know. I know, Shelly. I know. It's like we talked for three hours and it seemed like five minutes. I know. I know. I know. It's like we have this amazing connection, this chemistry. 
Okay, I'm just going to say this, Shelly. I've never said this to anyone in a really long time. Um, but I, Shelly, I feel like you're, you're my density. I really, really do. Hmm? No, you're, right. you're, my, you're my destiny. That's what I meant. You're my destiny, right? I'm just so apologetic. Hey, he's right here. I gotta go. Okay, bye. Hey, buddy, what's up? How much? Who are you talking to? Um, um, talking to my mom. Your mom's your destiny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she gave birth to me and everything. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Kudos. Really? Yeah. Because it sounds like you said Shelly. Yeah, um, that's her, that's her name. I thought your mom's name was Kelly. That's her middle name. Your mom's name is Kelly Shelly? Yeah, yeah, and she was picked on a lot when she was a kid, so I just really tried to encourage her all the time and tell her that I love her. What's wrong with that? Okay, I mean, okay, well, whatever, whatever. Did you talk to my Shelly? Yeah, I did. Um, and? She's not... She's not going to be your Shelly. What? Look, we just started talking. We just, we just kind of hit it off. I mean, it just happened. I mean, what? we had this great... Chemistry, you just... No, 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 no. You were supposed to call her for me. I did. I started out doing that. I did. You no. don't believe me. You're supposed to be my best friend. I, I am. Don't, don't let a girl come between us, okay? That's I didn't... Big... You did this. Look, man, you know I've liked her since we were in kindergarten, and you were supposed to talk to her for me. Yes, but, but I've been your best friend since kindergarten, and we've always said growing up, best friends forever, right? Yeah, well, you know what? Forever just got a lot shorter. Don't do this. Don't do this. It's a... You did this. You're supposed to be my best friend. And our friends, they're just trying to get through life the same way we are. And sometimes they're going to make poor choices. And we can either learn to forgive them or we can pick up more baggage. You know, the truth about baggage is we don't need other people to load it on us. We do a pretty good job of dumping baggage on ourselves when we compare ourselves to others. We think things like, ah, oh, if I could be as popular as they are, if I could be as gifted and talented as they are, but I'm not. I'm a loser. I'm no good. And when we think that, we pick up more baggage. Or we find ourselves thinking, they have it made. And why is life so easy for them and so hard for me? I'm never going to make it. And when we buy into that lie, more baggage. And sometimes, sometimes we pick up baggage from people who love us dearly. They just don't realize that their words cut like a knife. Son. Hey, Dad. What happened out there? Uh, um, the ball slipped. The, the lights got in my eyes. Was... The lights got in your eyes? Yeah. You know that's what costs us the game, don't you? Yeah. The ball slipped. How many times have I gotten up in the morning before 5 a.m. before I go to work to work on the stuff with you? Huh? There were scouts out there. You realize that? Dad, the ball slipped. The ball slipped, right? It did. I mean, what, what do you want? Hey, coach. Huh? No. <laughs> Butterfingers, yeah. <laughs> we're going to work with them. Uh-huh. All right. See you later. Are you crying? No. Well, don't. Pull it together. People are watching. I want you to grab your stuff. I'm going to go to the car and I'll meet you there, all right? 
Dad, I'm just disappointed in you, all right? These were our dreams, right? Grab your stuff. And our parents, they don't mean to hurt us. It's just they've got their own baggage. And when you don't deal with baggage, you pass it on. And for us, we have to learn to find our self-worth only in our relationship with Christ. And if we don't, we pick up more baggage. It gets uncomfortable, tedious. And our natural tendency is to want to dump this baggage onto someone else, but it always backfires. Hey, can I ask you a question? What are you doing in my room? I just need to ask you a question. What? Can, can you give me and my friends a, a ride to school? It, it, it's cold and I don't want to ride my bike. <laughs> what? what? Are you really asking that? Yeah, I don't think it's a big deal. Just give me a ride and some of my friends to school. You need to understand something. Just because you and your loser friends are in high school now doesn't mean I'm going to give you a ride, okay? Because look at me. You need to understand that when people look at you, they see a freak, all right? And if they know that I'm related to you, if they know we're brothers, they're going to think I'm a freak too, okay? And I'm not okay with that. So here's the deal. I don't care how you get there. I don't care if you have to walk or crawl or whatever, but I'm not going to be a chauffeur for you and your loser friends, okay? It's not my fault that Dad left. Why do you keep taking out on me? Whatever. No, you know I'm right. Okay. I'm sorry. You're not sorry. You're only sorry that I'm calling you out. I'll just ride my bike. I said I was sorry. I'll ride my bike. Come on. And in the process of trying to dump our baggage on someone else, inevitably what happens is we pick up more baggage. And then there's that one, my sin, my secret sin. It's, um, it's cool. I mean, uh, I've got it under control. Who am I kidding? Most of the time it has control of me. And this is the way I live. And yet, I hear the words of Christ who says, I've come that you may have life and may have it abundantly. I don't know about you, but th this doesn't really feel like abundant life to me. I, I, I can't walk straight. I can barely keep my balance. And then, and then I remember his words. Because Christ also said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. That's what I want. That's what I want. So I go to God. God, please, if you're willing, would you take this baggage from me? Because God, I'm miserable and I can't live this way anymore. Please take it.
it's quite interesting. Um, as I watch that, I kind of reflect on my own life and the moments where I've had to just cry out to God and ask him to come and help me with something, um, something that I've been carrying, and just allow God to take that off of me. Um, you know, as I was preparing for today, that was the verse that kept coming into my mind. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, rest for your souls. Um, but one of the things that I wanted to just kind of think about today, just briefly as we uh, think about drawing things to a close, is this whole area of fear. And I, I felt that I should just kind of focus on this for a little while, the area of fear. Um, you know, for those who know, uh, a while back I really had a fear of flying. And, uh, you know, some people used to kind of wind me up about that, mostly Chuck Collins when we were going to Bulgaria and stuff like that. Uh, take advantage of the fact that I was scared of flying in a plane. And I kind of thought, where did, where did that come from? Because I wasn't always scared of flying, but I became scared of flying. And I realized after reflection that what the problem was, was not a fear of flying, but a fear of dying. And as a Christian, even having a fear of dying. And God dealt with that fear. You know, I realized, once I realized what was going on, I had to deal with that fear. I had to give that to God and ask God to come in and, uh, and touch my life. And he did it through another person who was sharing, a lady who works for International Justice Mission. She works in India. And she talked about getting into a really difficult situation and how God had delivered her and her team in this situation. And even the people that were trying to set free, God came and miraculously delivered her. And she said something that I'll never forget. She says that she goes out her door to work and she doesn't know if she's coming back sometimes or not. But she says, I trust my family to God. I trust myself to God. And when she said that, there was tears rolling down my face as I realized, actually, she's living freely and lightly. I, I was not living freely and lightly. I was living in a way where I was bound by things. And God came and delivered me at that moment. And uh, so on our, not our last trip to Bulgaria, the one before, um, I was able to give Marlon my seat beside the group uh, so, so that she could be beside others. And I was away at the back of the plane on my own, not scared of flying, quite comfortable, you know, because the pilot wants to go home for his tea as well. That's another story. Um, and God broke something. God broke something at that time. And I think, you know, you, you look at that and you think, well, can God just instantly come and heal you? of fears, of things that you're carrying. Yes, you can. Sometimes there's a process. Sometimes we need to pray through things and talk through things with people. But God can deliver you right away. And uh, there was an illustration from fear that I wanted to just touch on in the Bible. And it's, it's in First uh, Samuel chapter 30. And the story is around David's mighty men. David had met up with this king called Achish. Uh, he was going to war with him. And uh, the other Philistine commanders who were with them as they went out to this battle said, we're not happy with this guy coming along beside us because we'll be in the thick of battle and he's going to turn around and he's going to turn on us because he's our enemy. And uh, basically they prevailed and David and his men had to go home. They were turned back away from the army and they had to go home to a place called Ziklag. And it's on their return to home that they found out that home had been raided by a group of people called the Amalekites. And they had taken their families captive. They burned the place to the ground. 
And it says that the, the men, David and his men, wept aloud, and that they wept and they wept until they had no energy left to weep. And this is what happens. It says in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, that David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters, but David found strength in the Lord. You know, it says here that David was greatly distressed. And if you look at the original language here for that word, what it means is there is a narrowing down. It means to become narrow. And I don't know if you've ever considered that. David's men were talking of stoning him to death. And I can well appreciate that in that moment, David's world became very small. You could say that David's men were grief-stricken. It says in the verse there that each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. They had been taken captive. They didn't even know at this point in time if they were still alive. And it was a grief they would feel in the pit of their stomach. That kind of churning that you have, I'm sure we can all identify with that. What do you do with those kind of feelings and emotions? Well, David's men began to turn on David. And it says here that David was distressed. In this moment, David's world became smaller. His thinking became smaller. It became narrowed so that he only focused on the immediate what was about to happen. Even says about Moses uh, in Exodus 17.4, Uh, What shall I do with this people? They're almost ready to stone me. Even in Jesus' time, with Jesus, they were ready to stone him as well. And it says that he slipped away quietly. I don't know if you've noticed that. When you are under pressure, when when things are turning around against you, when you're distressed, your world gets smaller. You start to change your perspective. You lose perspective of the big picture stuff of life, the important stuff. And, and, and also in the lives of other people because we become so focused on ourselves when we're distressed. And uh, when you look at your problems, when you become distressed, when your world becomes small, when you narrow in on your thinking, this is what happens. You begin to magnify the thing that is on your mind. It becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. But I've heard twice, once in this church recently, and another time, maybe about six or so weeks ago, this phrase, we need to stop telling God how big our problems are and start telling our problems how big our God is. There's something about that moment where you begin to focus on God, take your eyes off the problems and focus on Him, that you take the magnifying glass off of the situation. It says anxiety on the screen. You take your eyes off of that, you take your eyes off of the problem and you begin to focus on God. And what does it say in the verse that we were reading there? It says, but David found strength in his God. What did he do? Did he panic? Did he run about like an idiot saying, what am I going to do now? Did he try and hide? No, David did what David does and he turned around and he focused himself on God and he said, what's the solution here? Shall we go and take our men and go and try and capture back our families. And God says, go and do it. You will certainly win. 
and they march out to find this band of Amalekites. You can read it in 1 Samuel 30. And it says that they are so tired that 200 of the men, there's 600 men in this party, David's men, 200 of them stay behind and 400 go on and they chase the Amalekites and they recover their families. David put into practice what he talked about. Psalm 27, uh, David says, Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. We need to wait on him. He also says in Psalm 56, verses 3 and 4, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can other people do to me? And then we know the verse from Isaiah 40, that they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And we need to come back to this place of waiting on God. I don't know about you, I'm looking out at you, and I don't know if you do this all the time, if when troubles come, you begin to wait on the Lord. Or if you're like me sometimes, and you forget, and you run around in a wee panic, and have a wee tizzy, and then you go, what am I doing that for? I need to come back and focus on God. I need to pray. Without the defense mechanisms going up in the situation. Come to God, because he is the one who can set us free. And I'm going to quote this verse just as a finish uh, from Matthew 11, which is what was quoted in the video, but I'll read from the message uh, translation. And it says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. I don't know about you, but that's where I want to be. I want to be able to walk freely and lightly in my relationship with God, in my relationship with others. I don't want to be close to the baggage limit. In fact, I don't want there to be anything in my life that is baggage, that's weighing me down, that's slowing me down. I personally want to be able to walk, to run freely and lightly into the purposes of God. And can I say, uh, church, we need to take rest, we need to take time to allow ourselves to be refreshed. There is a principle in the Bible that says six days you work and one day you rest. And when we don't observe that principle, what happens? We get tired, we get burned out, and we need to take rest. And that's why, you know, we need to do that week in and week out, but we need to take rest in the summer as well. I don't want to live close to my baggage limit. I want to be free and light. And Jeremiah 31:25 says, I will refresh the weary and satisfy the faint. I don't know if that's you today, where you feel you need to be refreshed. Life has been taken over sometimes, and you've been so busy, you've been distracted, you've been taking your eyes off of God and thinking about how big the problem is, rather than telling the problem how big your God is. Can I encourage you to refocus on God? 
Psalm 145, verse 16 says this, You open your hand and satisfy the desire satisfy the desire of every living thing. God satisfies our desire in every way. He is able, he is capable to satisfy all our desires. My encouragement is that we turn to him today. If you're a Christian in this place today and there are things which you're carrying, can I encourage you to talk that through with somebody, to get somebody to pray with you and just to get that out in the open? You know, confession is good for the soul, they say. If you're not a Christian today and you've never put this into practice, then can I encourage you to ask Jesus into your life today? Because when he comes into our life, he is the one who will set us free. He is the one who will give us light on the inside that will show us the things that we need to sort out. Regardless of how old or how young we are, bear in mind that the older we are, if we've not dealt with things, they just can be, become so hidden in our lives. And God wants to come and to sort those things out and to help us to walk freely and lightly. Let's just pray. Maybe the musicians could come back up as well. Father, we thank you that you have purposed that we would have life and life in all its fullness. Father, we recognize that our enemy, uh, the devil, would come and his purpose is to steal from us and to kill and to destroy. But Father, you have come that we might have life and life in all its fullness. And so, Father, we pray today that if there are those who are holding on to things which are weighing them down, just baggage in their lives, Father, I pray today that you would come and that you would release those chains. Father, that you would just bring freedom into people's hearts. Father, if they need someone to talk to, I pray that they would find someone quickly that they can trust. Father, somebody that they can open up their heart to and share with. Somebody who will get alongside and pray and see them come to that place of freedom. And Father, we just pray, even if there are those in here who don't know you today, Father, that they would come to know you as Lord and Saviour of their lives as well. Father, we thank you for uh, our gathering today. We thank you uh, that you are here with us in this very place. And Father, we come to you and, and we just want to ask today uh, for your blessing on certain uh, members of the congregation today. Father, I think of Trevor, uh, who's going in for his operation this week. Father, we pray that your hand would be upon him and Laura. And Father, we pray that you would protect them. Father, that you would just surround them with your presence. And Father, I pray that uh, you would guide the surgeon's hands. Father, that things would go well. And Father, that you uh, would just speak your words over that whole situation. And Father, that you would speak life over that whole situation. So Father, we just lift them before you and ask that your hand would be upon them, that you would bless them. Father, for Walter Murray, who's still in hospital. Uh, Father, just the struggling to, to get to the root of his problems. Father, we pray uh, that he would know your presence in such a special way. Father, again, that you just impart life into him. And uh, Father, for Margaret, as she recovers from this knee operation, Lord, we just thank you uh, that she has had this and that she is on the mend. And Father, we pray for a speedy recovery. Uh, Father, that the pain would subside quickly and allow her to get up and to, to get around. Um, Father, we just thank you uh, for all that you're doing uh, in, in our lives. And Father, we just pray that you would give uh, us what we need for this week. Father, help us uh, just to come to you, to focus on you. And Father, to tell uh, 
our problems, how big you are. And so, Father, we pray that you'd help us with these things. We need your help. Help us to enjoy uh, a time where things are a bit uh, easier, perhaps, over the summer, uh, and help us to rest and be refreshed and just to be filled with your spirit afresh again as well, Father. So we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.